Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. So you're in the middle of a kitchen update, and you can't tell if that's a faucet stem or a flange. With the Home Depot app, doing doesn't miss a beat. It'll find what you need in a snap, and it'll show you how to find it in store with a tap. Or get it delivered free. For doing that doesn't stop, download the Home Depot app. It's made for doing. Flu season is here. Protect yourself and your loved ones with a seasonal flu or senior flu shot at The Shot Nurse. With three locations, it's fast, convenient, and easy. Plus, it's free with most insurance. Or for groups of 10 or more, the nurse can come to you. Call 901-685-9999 or go to shotnurse.com to book your group appointment. The Shot Nurse is your wise choice. At Red River Toyota and Win, we got huge discounts. We're taking up to $3,000 off brand new 23 model Toyota Tundras. And we're giving you no payments, you heard that right, no payments on Toyota 4Runners and Camrys until February. Folks, we're also going to give you a $1,000 Visa gift card to help you through Christmas with every new car purchase. Check us out at Red River Toyota right here in Wynn or go online at redrivertoyota.com. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannato and Jeffrey show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter on X at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. Glad that he is with us. Joining us via the phone in just a moment will be Mark Giannato. First, let's set the schedule for today's program. We'll get into all things college football, including our take a early, early look at next week's national championship game with Tim Murray as we do each and every Tuesday. We're going to get into the list during hour number two, recap other bowl game moments as well as the weekend that was at the NFL and get you ready for week 18, which has some interesting playoff scenarios. So we'll discuss a lot of football during that portion of the program. Then the Grizzlies tonight, 6.30, will, we will have pregame right here on 92.9 FM ESPN as the Grizzlies take on the Spurs. Eric will have tip-off at 7 o'clock. We'll tell your story, and then we will get out of here. Now let's welcome to the program the Crystal Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist in the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely. 
Tied for 8th, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He is indeed a Michigan man. You can follow him on Twitter on X, at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. Uh, it's a pretty good day, Jeffrey. I'm not going to lie after last night. I will say it'll be even better tomorrow when the kids are back at school finally. Um, but uh, that was pretty fun last night if you're a Mich- if you're someone like me. Um, whoa, 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 buddy. It was pretty good for you, too, huh? We're your you brothers in arms. Do you know how hard yeah. it is in the South to sit there and publicly announce that you're going against Alabama? <laughs> do you know Do you know how many people told me what an idiot I was all, all day yesterday? And then after that stupid punt returner drops the punt and they get the they go up 7 nothing and the entire world is ball game ball game do you realize how much my phone would not just stop lighting up i'll tell you i was i was a little terrified in that moment that michigan was about to s the bed in the semis for the third year in a row not going to lie um, and they did their darndest on special teams to do exactly that let's I mean, the, be clear the, if they had not have they not gone right down the field and scored after that i i was going to be in a very dark place yeah, no, but they responded, and now, uh, you know, we got ourselves. I think a pretty good national championship game: Michigan versus Washington. I haven't seen any ratings talk. Have people been rolling their eyes about ratings next week? Ratings, ratings, because I, I know that's that's always the number one indicator of whether or not you enjoy sports. Is what was the national TV rating? Yeah, well, I think this one. You know, well, I'll say this. So it's 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 interesting because if it was Michigan, Texas. It probably would do a little, a slightly better number, and it would. It certainly would be a much harder ticket, you know, because the game. Well, there, is in there's Houston. no question; it's a harder ticket because the games in Houston and Texas would have been yeah. in. It. But we have two but undefeated teams, <laughs> two undefeated teams, and it's like your classic just contrast. Styles makes style. fights, baby. Yeah, like I think it's going to be. I don't know who's like. I know Michigan opened as like a four, four and a half point favorite, but. You know, it feels like a it feels like a pick'em. Honestly, like I know Michigan's favored, but I would I would view it more as a pick'em because Michigan hasn't played a quarterback like Michael Penix this year, and I don't think Washington has gone up against a team as physical as Michigan this year. No, Washington's gone up against teams that I think would would fashion themselves like Michigan, like Oregon State would like to play. You know, under Jonathan Smith, they would have liked to have played. Like Michigan, but they don't. Texas has a D line that is, you know, you know, as good. Maybe you know some guy. I bet you by draft, you know, some of those those tackles on Texas. Yeah, yeah, they've got some guys who are probably higher rated prospects than than Michigan's D linemen. But yeah, nonetheless, I think I think it sets up really, you know, like a as a you know again a classic contrast and style type of matchup. And and frankly, it feels like. You know, the two best teams all year are playing each other at the end. Yeah, it's weird how you could throw Georgia in there, but like yeah. they blew their no, 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 no. They, they, no I, I, I think the more I thought about it over the weekend, it was like I'm not going to give Georgia a pass because, like, you know, the, in the end, like they they had their chance. They they. I do think, though, with McConkey being hurt and trying to play, Bowers being hurt and trying to play, Mims got hurt. Like I think that SEC title game kind of got weird, and then Kirby went full, you know, full big brain. I'm gonna show, I'm gonna run the ball down Bama's throat, and it's like that's that's kind of dumb. But the reality is, we have overlooked this Washington team, and I really can't, I really can't point my finger 
as to why the reason you know why is. I think it is. I think I know why it is. But it's, it's not. I'll say this. It's definitely not West Coast bias because Washington was the team that I think everyone wanted Oregon to be. Here's what I think it is with Washington. I think people look at them because they've won a lot of close games. They're kind of compared. They're, 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 there's a lot of recency bias, if you will, of that TCU team last year that won a lot of close games. And then when it came to down to it was kind of a, you know, they got. Yeah, but like it'd be the okay. wrong word. All right. Here's the difference, though. Mm-hmm. As the season went on, their mm-hmm. games got close. But they beat teams that turned out to be, like, at the time they played a close game against Arizona, we didn't really know that Arizona was going to be a 10-win team. Yeah, no, and you're right, the Pac-12. No, that's what I'm saying, though. I don't think they are TCU. I they're, think they're closer. Better, they this, a, I said this this morning. Quarterback if here's to tell the truth. They have much better receivers. This is a, like, this is, they are closer to being 2019 LSU than they are to being 2022 TCU. Now, I don't think yeah. they're as good as LSU, but they are they're in that same caliber where you've got awesome college quarterback, three NFL caliber receivers, and like they're they're making it work that way. Now the difference was I think LSU had more talent on defense, but yeah. uh, this is I don't know, man. I'm like I'm wondering, it's not it's almost just like Oregon sucked up all the oxygen because oh. Lanning is, you know, good looking, charismatic, cuts Ooh. promos. Give me Kalen aboard, man. Ten times out of ten. Well, and, and I keep they kept showing that offensive coordinator, and I guess he's not going to get a job this cycle, but it feels like he's going to get a job next cycle. The Washington offensive. So coordinator. he's in that sweet spot where he gets to be the coordinator with low pressure, and they pay it like he's getting paid like two like two point one. Because remember, Bama went after him like they flew the plane so there, and yeah. and he no. didn't take the gig, but. You know, no, what I mean, like he's going to get a head coaching. Job I know, but my year. point is, he's making two, you know, two plus million dollars, and like you got a sweet gig, you can be a little choosy. Yeah, no, that's true. But yeah, I'll tell you um, this: if he wanted the Indiana job, he could have had it. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, it's a phenomenal. It was a, it was great day clo- of football. We, great yeah, day we of football. Closed out the 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 four team playoff era, if you will, with. The best two, like the two, like I don't know if they were the best semifinals singularly, but the best day of semifinals it felt like we've had. We even had two one score games. Not just one score games, two. They came came down down to the last last play. play. Fair point. Came down to the last play games, Um, and so uh, it was a phenomenal night of football. Um, Tennessee also won. It was. We've got a lot to. You know, I wish I was in studio today because there's so much happened over the break. You had, you know. Obviously, Memphis football getting a huge win in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. And I think, you know, Ryan Silverfield uh, having his, to date, best moment as head coach at the University of Memphis. Um, You have Memphis basketball now in the top 15 in both national polls. I know, you know, I I know they had their last two games, the one before the holiday break against Vanderbilt and the one after holiday break against Austin Peay were, you know, too close for comfort, so to speak, but I also think it was kind of understandable that they were they were due for games like that. And ultimately, when you look around the country, all that really mattered to me was that the, you know what? Yeah, they didn't play great, but they they won. That's all that really mattered to me in those games. Um, and uh, and then we've also got you know the Grizzlies at the beginning of the break. You know they win that second game against New Orleans, and you're going, oh my gosh, they're already, they've already cut this. 
you know, this this deficit between them and the 10 spot down three three games already since Ja came back. And then, you know, I felt like the last three games were a bit of a reality check. So a lot a lot to get to. I'm not sure. What, what do you think the truth is? What's your biggest truth to come out of out of uh, out of the break? I think my biggest truth is sometimes as a sports fan, it's not good to lie to yourself. And there's a couple mm. of examples. Okay. All right. Interesting. Number one, let's start mm-hmm. let's start with the aforementioned Memphis Grizzlies. Okay. I know there's context and everything. Mm-hmm. I think maybe let's not like when, when you win four straight games when Ja comes back and it is awesome and it makes you realize like, oh my God, that's why I love watching this team. Mm-hmm. Maybe don't start like plotting out a path to the sixth seed. Because I believe we're back at they're now six games back of the yes they are spot. six back oh, okay. and they're now four and three again it's also important to note the Denver game he didn't play but that was also mm-hmm. another reminder it's like oh my god when he does not play and he's not just like unbelievable well that's what I was gonna say even the next two games where you know he you know he very clearly looked under the weather against the Clippers yeah. and gutted it out. And then he said after the um, Kings, game. Kings game the other night that he was still feeling the effects of it. And what is very clear is, whereas two years ago, you know, frankly, one, there was obviously the, the record they had without Ja, but it felt like even when Ja didn't play great, they could still win games. And what these three losses showed to me is, you know, we talk about how their depth has kind of been – depleted, whether it's via injury or via, you know, frankly, some miscalculations by the front office. Misidentifications. Um, yeah, but where where you see it now is essentially for them to win games, he needs to be all NBA job every night. And that wasn't necessarily didn't feel like that was the case two years ago in the regular season. Well and on also furthermore, it's like okay, in those four wins also Des and Jaron were pretty spectacular too like it's almost it's not just jaw has to be all nba jaw it's that all three of them basically have to be you know and eight eights or better of themselves and to be fair i mean like honestly when they're making as much money as they no, are that's, now, what, that's the that that's is the endeavor to build the team yes like, that's how you have to build the team now now you know you would have liked for them to have hit on a couple more guys than they have and that would make things easier um but it, we'll see. I'm still, you know, I still think we're going to get meaningful basketball in March and April. I think this team's going to win enough games to make it interesting. But I do think the break highlighted, like, just how big of a hole yeah. they are in and how tough of a climb this is going to be um, unless we are going to get 50 games of all-NBA John Morant. And I just don't know if that's physically possible. You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, I, at this point, the best we can hope for, like, so if you give the four, you've already not had three. So, you know, at best that you could hope for was, what, 54 games? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's um, my whole point about the math. Like, that's when the math starts mm-hmm. to, to factor into the equation. Yeah. You know, and this, I mean, yeah, this next week or so, well, you know, they're going back. You know, they play. They, I mean, honestly, like, they've got back-to-back here against the Spurs in Toronto. Like, you need to win both of these games the next two nights. Oh like yeah, talking, absolutely. If you want to have a, you know, if you want to continue to have these thoughts of, hey, we're going to be in the mix 
at the end of March, beginning of April for these play-in spots, like you have to win these types of games against you're, you're getting two bad teams coming into FedEx forum the next two nights. And I know the second one is going to be the second night of a back-to-back, but you're not having to travel. And with the hole you've dug yourself, like that's what you got to do. You got to win second night of a back-to-back against the below 500 Toronto team. It's a non-negotiable in my mind. And then the other thing, like the other examples that I would give, like number one, we kind of started to see this with when the Niners played the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I, I had mentioned to you, I think I, you and I had texted each other about it, but like there's nothing more sobering as a sports fan when your guy takes criticism and you think everybody's wrong and then you see the game where they're right. It doesn't mean that like, it's, it's one of those situations with Brock Purdy where it's like I kind of think both camps are wrong to a degree. I think, like, the draft gurus that think he doesn't have an amazing arm, therefore he's just, like, this system dude, I think they're misguided because I think more goes into playing quarterback than just that. But you also have to acknowledge on the other camp that we're thinking, hey, man, this guy's, like, the perfect fit for Shanny. Uh, this guy gets the job done. He's just an ultimate processor. There is still, like, a limitation to him. And you see when he just plays poorly, like, they can – like it's un- it's they just got run out of the building and like to me like that was the perfect team to kind of do that to them because the Ravens are the type of team that will sit there and say all right we'll play man coverage we're not scared and y- you know like does that that's when it's more difficult for Purdy because Purdy eats up zone coverage because he just he's so good with the ball and knowing where to go with the ball but when you go man to man it's not as easy because some like, guys have to win one on one and so there's there's that element. But along the same lines, like, I really think Alabama fans were lying to themselves all year if they really thought that Milrow was, if there wasn't going to be a moment where Milrow was going to be a problem. And to mm-hmm. put this whole loss yesterday on him is obviously wrong. He, he you know, I mean, he, he made critical mistakes. Like, the fumble that they got away with was a critical mm-hmm. mistake. But everyone that wants to put the sacks on the offensive line, like, Mark, how many times did he just, like, stare into a blitz and have no idea what was, like, coming at him like it was just it's just the limitations that he's had all year they've been able to get away with and yesterday you just saw like even when it felt like Michigan was very very standing knocked out on the mat like they couldn't get the knockout punch and they just decided at the end of the game like let's make this guy have to make a decision and and it lo and behold it went the way that it did yeah no he was you know he was I mean I I would say McCarthy was good when he had to be, you know, for Michigan. Um, but I didn't think he had a great game either. No, I didn't. I just um, thought he was slightly better. Yeah, and I think um, he was I mean, on. And I think his 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 entire team played better than Alabama's team. I thought Alabama's defense played pretty damn well, and I thought mm-hmm. their offensive line in the second half played really well. But there were except for the center. Yeah, the but center. I mean, that, but I mean, that's the other thing. It's like. You know, when you talk about lying to yourself as a sports fan, Mark, they've had snap issues all year. The fourth and yeah. 31 happened because of snap issues. Like, it's yeah. all those, it's like in these critical moments when you get into these high stakes games, it's like the same things that have kind of plagued you all year, but you got away with. You don't really get away with them in, in these types of games. Yeah. I will say another truth added on this you mentioned the Ravens. Pretty good, pretty good week for the Harbaugh family. Not gonna lie, pretty, pretty good, good week for the Harbaugh family. Pretty good week for the Harbaugh family. And uh, have we ever gone from 
I feel like, and, and this is deservedly so, because I remember thinking like, I don't know, eight weeks ago, you know, the Ravens had a path to the number one seed, and the MVP always just becomes a, who's the quarterback of the number one seed? And mm-hmm. it just felt like we were wildly overlooking Lamar, and Lamar, Lamar's last... Well, to be fair, now it's going to be, it's going to go to the Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. Now, it's, but it's like, think about how fast <laughs> it went from like not even in the picture to, it's done, it's done, it's done. And it is done, because like, he's probably not going to play this week. No, uh, and they've looked so darn good against oh. the Niners and then the Dolphins. And the question I just have is the classic, are they playing their best? Peaking too, too soon? Early? Yeah. I have, as someone who has, one, I grew up anti-Ravens because so many of my friends, when they won that first Super Bowl in Hopped on that bandwagon. Switched, switched allegiances allegiances from Washington to the Ravens because they were the cool thing. So I've always had a deep down resentment of the Ravens because of that. And then two, so I've two. And they're, they're just, they're, they're competently run. Yeah. Well, yes. And yes, they yeah. Compared yeah. to, the, yeah. Com- compared compared to Washington, to, they yes. were like a model yes. a franchise. Yeah, They, they was, never sucked. They always had good leadership. Ra- they, they, unless they were drafting a wide receiver, they always drafted really well. Like, yes. From had to be very frustrating. Ninety nine on when they moved to Baltimore, it's been much easier to be a Ravens yes, fan. Yes, obviously, than a so. fan. <laughs> much easier. Okay, but I just I I've seen this script before with them. Where well, you I mean, know, the, the, like the the was it twenty? You worry that they've played two? They they played they played their two best games a little too early. But we'll see. I mean, they look they look really good. But like in the second uh, second round, like who would they face? If they, as of today, they get the first round by, would it be Chiefs who they get in the divisional round? If the so win? likely it would be, well, it's going to be most likely whoever, if the Jags win the South, well, whoever wins the South is going to be the four seed. So okay. the four seed will play the five, which is either going to be the Browns or uh, the Dolphins, most likely. So that would be hilarious in Number one seed Baltimore, the Browns come to town with Flacco on the other end, and oh, that would be, be that would be that would be delicious to watch. But then the Ravens defense would eat up Flacco. Well, the they, only they certainly, let me just say this: if there's anyone that would have the blueprint of what gives him trouble, well, I mean that's the other thing. Like I kept thinking this week when you know Mark, I don't know if I don't know if you happen to flip on Red Zone or or you know. Maybe some Sunday ticket. I just happened to stumble across the 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 final two possessions of the Eagles Cardinals game. Same thing, man. Like you know, you kind of lie to yourself that Jalen Hurts is definitely like he's MVP. Jalen Hurts, like yeah, he kind of looks like Jalen Hurts has done for much of his career. Feels like last year might have been the outlier. Or oh. or on the flip side, hey, Gannon over on the other side. By the way. 4-0 against the spread against the NFC East. He had some inside information being Philly's defensive coordinator last year. But he also had two outright wins. Beat the, beat the Eagles and the Cowboys. Yeah, there you go. Hey, and, and, and along those lines, it's been pretty good to be a Commanders fan the past couple weeks. We're now up to, I believe, we're, right now, as of today, based on the strength of schedule yep. uh, thing, the Commanders would get the number two pick in the draft. Um, and they've been doing good work. I was a little scared a couple weeks ago when they tried to complete that comeback against um, the Rams. Yeah, the Ra- I think, was it the Rams? So Jacoby Brissett went nuts against the Rams, and then they did yeah, the same thing. 
They did the same yeah, thing, they- though, the week before. You also got to shout out Jacoby Brissett. Are we really sure he had a hamstring, or was that maybe someone like, hey, we don't really need to win this game. Like, let's, let's somehow take care of it. Well, because that's the problem. They haven't fired Rivera, and Rivera's, like, trying to win games still. And it's like, God, get out of here. Play how, you know, like, let's just lose these games and, you know, be on with that. Like, that's why I'm glad the Cowboys have something to play for oh, this yeah. week. You know? Like, of course, I you think know. they did last year, too, and that didn't matter. I know, but we need, we need you know, we need uh, a number two pick, Caleb Williams, you know, like – you know, now the question would be that the the Washington would probably take the bait and trade up to number one because they want Caleb Williams. Even though I don't think, after what we've seen, I, I don't think the Bears should. T- if I was the Bears, I would not take a quarterback. What are you talking one. about, man? They're peaking at the right time. They they just if if September October didn't exist, they're like one of the best teams in football. Yeah. Wasn't this what happened last year with Justin Fields too? Uh, oh, was, or was that two years ago? Two year, one either last year or two years ago. He had a great last month of the season and a bunch of meaningless games. I don't think it was last year because didn't they? They never won a game. They ago. beat the Pats on Monday Night Football and they didn't win a game after that. So I think it was probably yeah, it was, two years ago. Yeah, I think it was two years ago. But nonetheless, there, there's that in the NFL. All right, what did you think? Because I was there. What did you think of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl? I wrote about it in my column at commercialfield.com. My column was essentially at the end of it after watching unfold. My takeaway was Ryan Silverfield. Memphis football finally has some momentum under Ryan Silverfield. was my takeaway from that bowl game. It, really, it feels like the program finally has, you know, it, they got to it in a roundabout way. But it feels like here at the end of year four, he's really taken some real momentum into next season. Yeah, my takeaway at the end of it is, God, next year is a big year. Yeah, it sets up really good, really well for for Memphis. But you're right. It's a lot of pressure, too. There's going to be a lot of pressure. But, like, they're probably going to be the favorite in the AAC. I think it's it's overwhelmingly likely. There's a good argument Seth Hennigan is going to be the best returning group of five quarterback in the country. I don't know exactly how, how every other team in the country stacks up. But, you know, and maybe someone's brought in a transfer I don't know about. But he, there's a decent chance you could hear him be mentioned as even like, like honestly, like a dark horse Heisman candidate would be my guess. At some, you know, just because, just by virtue yeah, of yeah, it's just gonna be so. I, you know, he's not gonna win the Heisman and whatever. But like, but I, I, I can go with you down the road of of best G five QB. Yeah, and then. Um, and then you're returning, you know, most of the weapons on offense. The big weapon you're losing, Blake Watson. Presumably, you went and got a guy out of the portal, uh, and Mario Anderson from South Carolina, who you can very easily see slotting into that role. Um, you know, the, you're, you're going to go. You know, your defense stunk, but you get to go hire a new defensive coordinator, and your defense is coming off a pretty good performance against Iowa State. It'll be interesting to see if they just, you know, Jordan Hankins, the guy who served, the linebackers coach who served. No, I mean, that was a hell of an audition. If that, if that yeah, was a no, job I interview, because I, uh, I, I mentioned this to Jeff, and I think I texted you this during the game because I was going between my, my parents' house and back to my house at halftime. They interviewed, uh, the Iowa State broadcast interviewed uh, Matt Campbell at halftime, and he's like, they are not defending us in any way that we've seen on film. So, like, they came up with an outstanding game plan. I mean, that's the truth. It felt like that game got won in the first half. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was the most impressive performance of the Ryan Silverfield era. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Thirty-six twenty-six. No, I, I, it should have been. They should have won by more. Because like this honest. was a win against a Power Five opponent where it didn't feel fluky. It felt like you just kind of kicked their ass. Yeah. No. They, what I found shocking was I, I could see if someone told me beforehand Memphis is going to be the faster team. Their skill guys are going to be better than Iowa State. So I would be like, okay, maybe. Um, what was stunning about that win? was they control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, too, against the Power 5 team. We never see Memphis do that against Power 5 teams. No, yeah, and, even like... when they beat Mississippi State, like, and or beat Ole Miss, a couple, even, like, under Norvell, like... No, it was always... It was, everything was to the, the edge. Everything was, like... Yeah. Everything was almost game-planning around the fact that you didn't feel like you could win up front. Yeah, it was just... And so, um, it was a big moment, I thought, for Ryan Silverfield. And, um, you know, he called it the best win of his coaching career and I I think that's right certainly his four years as the head coach at Memphis and you know I talked to Laird Veach before the game and you know he confirmed to me on the record that they are in discussions about a contract extension and I took it as it's not if he's getting a contract extension and it's when and this was before they won the Iowa State game it's when he gets a contract extension now I did not get any sort of indication about what type of contract extension it's going to be um I would. My gut tells me it's not going to be some huge contract extension. It's going to be more along the lines of a cosmetic one, just to make you know, and, and you know, to reward him in some way for the season he just had, and sort of where the program's at now. Um, but it was. Uh, it felt like a big day for the program. Also, the last game, presumably, unless there's some sort of last minute snag. Last game in the in Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium as we know it. it. It will never look like it did for that Liberty Bowl ever again uh, if things start go as, yeah, as I guess the, has planned. The only problem that I have is like when people like part of it being such a great day is mm-hmm. it is the end of the season, and to me it yeah. was all of the other factors that we're mentioning. It's the the work that they did. Sometimes we talked about it. Recruiting is no longer going oftentimes and getting other players. Sometimes it's keeping your players. Yeah. And, and to me, like, that was a huge part of it. So you've got, part of it. You can go. You've got momentum. Yeah. It's going to be pretty good going yeah. into next year. Yeah, the defense, you know, has some holes. But you know what? They won 10 games with a terrible defense this year. If it's just a little bit better with this league, you know, like, you know, I, I know next year they have to go to Florida State and, you know, the homes, you know, most of their – what you would expect to be their tougher conference games are on the road. Now, it's funny. I got indications that, they, you know, we were talking about how crappy the home schedule is next year. It sounds like the vibe I've gotten is that Memphis kind of t- wink winked at the AAC and was like, we're going to have limited capacity next we wouldn't, year. We wouldn't hate it if, you know, maybe you saved some games. Be opening, yeah, and we're going to be opening up a new stadium essentially in 2025. If we can load up that season with a bunch of attractive home games, when, by the way, I believe Arkansas is scheduled to come to Memphis, um, if we can get, like, Tulane and, you know, FAU, the teams you expect to be good, if we get them at home in two years, you know, we'll, we'll take a crappy home schedule next year. When I think, like, I don't know what exactly capacity is going to be, but essentially, from what I understand, like, I mean, you're basically t- you're, you're, construction I would say it sounds like you're tearing down half the stadium. Yeah, like I, I think capacity is going to be like twenty five, thirty thousand next year, um, and so, uh, and so I think there may have been like a wink, wink to the league, like, hey, 
if you want to make us suffer next year, go go for it. We'll be okay with that. You know, like if you want to give us a dog, you know, a dog ass home schedule, we're okay with that. Yeah, I guess I don't have a problem with that that thinking because I think that actually makes sense. That that's a from a business perspective, that's that's the right call. I think mm-hmm. the other problem with it though is like, all right, Mark, like how many how many of these? It's not like you. It's not like you can make it like infinitely better. It's you know what I mean like there's some there's oh, some yeah. better no, yeah, no, quote unquote yeah, have, teams, but like it's not like there's these you don't have these fifty thousand like fifty thousand people games. Here's what I would say: Hopefully, you're coming off another you know a ten and two eleven one season where you made the playoff next year. Because I think I mean Ryan Silverfield made clear after the game like he knows that is the goal next year. Like they need to be in that AAC championship game. And hopefully playing for a spot in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think I'm comfortable saying they should be in the AAC championship game. Mm-hmm. I just think there's so many unknowns with what this 12 team playoffs going to look like. That you know, what I mean, like, how are they going to treat Oregon State and Washington State? Like, are they yeah. going to be their own league? Like, you know, they're going to play a Mountain well, West schedule. Well, like now, because what's yeah, that'll be interesting because it's the it's the five best conference champions. Well, we don't not- have a format yet. <laughs> Well, I believe they've announced, they agreed to a, to the the five teams. They've or excuse me, the four four best conference champions. They agreed to that modification the last meeting. The commissioners did. Um, it was, right, you know, but count them so up, buddy. Oh, excuse me. It, it's going to be five best conference champions instead of six. It was remember when they officially when they officially went to the twelve team playoff. It was six, but now that the Pac twelve is disintegrated, their last meeting they agreed on the five team automatic thing and then there'll be seven at right because they've never changed their opinion and don't 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 discount this what the thing people don't realize no it is through 20 it's the first yeah it's only for the first two because then there's a new tv contract and they could rip it up and decide to go 12 at large don't discount this buddy this national title and honestly in my opinion from what i watched deservedly so i just personally didn't think the sec was that good this year like i i Mm -hmm. i think I think their best team lost in the SEC championship game. I, I think their team that had the best chance of winning a national title lost, and that's the way a season mm-hmm. works. Alabama went. Like I, yeah. But don't discount the fact that this national title is not going to have an SEC team in it. Well, yeah. Because, well, yeah, if Texas had won, they could at least, like, claimed. Uh, 100%. You know, next, year's, next year's makeup of it, the, the next two years' makeup of it, Will be interesting because because the caveat that people don't realize the how this all worked is because to change the format under the pre existing deal that's in place for the next two years you had to get an, an, a, a unanimous vote from the commissioners and the only way you were going to get the group of five guys to agree to this is to have a caveat where they can get into the playoff when they go to the new TV deal it just need, like they don't need that they don't need the unanimous vote to do it and so. That's why the composition of the playoff the next two years will be huge, I think, because I think if the SEC and the Big Ten feel this isn't working for them, they're going to fight for 12 at-largest. Like yeah, no, I, I think that's – I think that's – I mean, the only thing that I keep hearing is that at some level they have to include the G5 to avoid for antitrust. antitrust. Right, yeah. but I mean, who's to say if there's not revenue sharing at that point and then that that's no longer the case. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I do think the Liberty's performance against Oregon yesterday 
I do think helps the AAC. Watching them kind of really like yes, the AAC kind of kind of kind of sort of, but like it didn't. And I know it's not apples to apples. Memphis or SMU would have been far right, more but like they wouldn't but, have won that game, but they would have no, been they would have been they would have been more competitive. But also, you know, SMU goes and lays an egg against uh, Boston College in the Fenway Bowl. But again, it's like all right, well, they would have probably had. They wouldn't have had the same roster issues if they go play if they're playing yeah. in the Cotton Bowl that they do. But I mean, Tulane got you know Tulane looked like they couldn't hold onto the ball against Vitek. I mean, Memphis ended up having the best showing, but they were the team yeah, that Tulane was, was missing their quarterback. So and that game oh, was played in the coach. damn monsoon. Yeah, and their head coach and it was played in the damn monsoon at the at the military bowl. But no, it's gonna. I'll say this though: I'm really, really, I, I, I I'm happy for the program because. It seems like it's not. This isn't just like conjured up excitement. This is legit. They've given you legitimate reasons to be really excited. About the that. way that I would define it is, I think until was that a Saturday? That was Saturday, correct? Or was that Friday? Mm-hmm. No, it was Friday. It was Friday. Friday. It was Friday. Until that Friday, I think you still were having to talk yourself into. We've got momentum. Mm-hmm. We've got momentum. Yeah. That felt like a moment in time that you could point to, and it's uh, and you can say we actually have momentum because it's not just the game for me. Because part of the, the part of the result of the game is we've seen good game results, and then you have to turn around the next week. Like that's just the mm-hmm. way the nature of the season. It's the fact that you won your last one, which always makes you feel better, and mm-hmm. then you got all the good roster news. Yeah. That to me, and yeah. I think, and I think you also have to include this, and this is a hundred percent where I give Ryan credit. After what I thought was probably uh, irresponsibly handling the portal, like his attitudes to the mm-hmm. portal felt uh, very, very short-sighted to me. Yeah, like we're gonna we're gonna do this thing the right way, right? Which like, right, which is, is right it's way like, hey, buddy, hey man, you, yeah. you, you're not you're not Bama, like, he, and even Bama doesn't do it that way. Like it felt very Clemson under Dabo, where you're like. You're really. Hurt. It wasn't quite Dabo, but yes, it, it, it was, felt it, like you were. There was certainly a, it was like they were dipping their toes in the water instead correct. of like you just got to jump in. It's correct. The and, and and I off season. And I'm willing to. In. I'm also willing to acknowledge like at, at a certain point, not everyone really didn't know like what how to treat the portal. So like okay, then the two years ago when they did use the portal, I did not think that they they used it well. This year, it was very obvious to me. It's like. Oh yeah, they their yeah. their portal oh, additions like yeah, player, absolutely. Blake Watson, impact player. Yeah, a couple of those O linemen, impact players. Yeah. Um, you know, on defense, Simeon Blair, impact player. Um, yeah, no, you're right. And so he, they did a better job in the portal, and they've you know it's just, the program feels like it's in a it's in a really good spot for the first time in a, in a while. Um, and then I, I'm curious before we go. I want to hear your truth. Are you as worried about Memphis, the Memphis basketball team, as Penny sounded after that Austin P game? He, he was sounding the alarm bells a little bit. I personally, my truth was, I don't think he's actually that worried. He was just saw an opportunity to kind of, you know, give his team a kick in the kick in the pants, so to speak, and took it. But what do you think? Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think if you look back in the calendar, mm-hmm. it feels like almost every single year at roughly this point where it's like non-cons ending and they're heading into conference play. Mm-hmm. There's some uh there's some frustrations if you will. You know, yeah. like like you think back even to last year like this wasn't a great point in the calendar 
the year before. You know, I guess you can make the argument like some of the Amani stuff earlier in the year, but like. I mean, mm-hmm. remember the the SMU was what game four of the year, I think, wasn't it? The the stop. That was me. like middle of January. Yeah, it was like middle towards the middle end of January. Yeah. And to me, no, the, and then, the key oh, difference, though, the key difference is Memphis is Memphis handled their business in non-con. Like, the, yeah. you don't have to worry about what. Like, do I think they played their two best games of the year? No, but I'm completely in agreement with you. Like, that was pretty understandable. Like. School's out of session. No, if, like if they come out on Thursday at Tulsa and look terrible again, then that'll that'll raise some raise some alarm bells to me because that would mean they didn't respond to Penny's kick in the pants, you know. Um, and so that that would be where I would not necessarily get concerned, but I would go like, huh, what's going on here? Because I don't know if you notice this, SMU, SMU in the net. SMU is not that good of a team, but by net. This is essentially your third best remaining game, uh, other than the two FAU games, which, by the way, are starting to, you know, FAU lost that game to Florida Gulf Coast the other day. But SMU's top 50 in the net right now. Um, I don't know how they did. They don't have a quad one. How have they done it? What? How have they done it? They've blown out a bunch of quad fours. Hey, yeah. There you go. Yeah. They don't, they literally don't have a quad one or a quad two win yet. Like uh, there's nothing. Not listen, as a as a fan of a West Coast conference, basically, as the fan um, of the West Coast conference, I have to acknowledge that's good work. When you get the when you get those buy games, you get this yeah. weekend. It's a quad well, two game well, for, this weekend for, for now. <laughs> for now, yeah, for now. Um, the problem the problem with building your resume that way is eventually, then when you do start playing teams, you start taking losses, you crater immediately. Yeah, no, your hope is they're not going to stay top 50, but your hope is maybe they can stay top 75 so the road game sure. at SMU means something. Sure. It's like a quad one game. Um, Listen, we're not asking you to be good. We're just asking yeah. you to be good on paper. Yeah, we're just asking you to blow out bad yeah. teams. Yeah, keep okay? doing that. <laughs> but no, and then... It's like you know, me, it's like me I, when I uh, bet on an underdog. I'm not asking you to win. I'm asking you to stay within a score. That's it. <laughs> And then, you know, I thought the Austin P game, the one actual takeaway from the game for me was Naquan Tomlin looks like a real difference maker for this team moving forward. I agree. I also, though, like, I think Austin P is a pretty good opponent to look like a difference maker. Although the problem, like, the problem is, I don't know, maybe you're right, because in league play, is it going to be a whole lot different? No, that's the thing. That's what they, that was the message I think they need to get from the Vanderbilt and the Austin P game is, from here on out, like every game is going to be like that, except the two FAU games. And you know, like you are going to have to make your own motivation, if you will, and you're going to have to deal with the fact that every single time you take the floor, the rest of the way, you are going to be like a marked team that the other team is, you know, oh, yeah. going to play probably its best game in a while against you because you're top 15 in the rankings. It's what Houston had to go through yeah. the last few years in the AAC. You're usually you're usually the bottom team. Trying to yeah. knock them off, yeah. you know. And Memphis had to deal with it to a certain extent, but you know, even in past years, just because of the celebrity of Penny and the you know the name recognition of some of their players and recruits, but this year it'll be at another level because right now, you know, they look like the favorite. They look like the best team in the league. They look like they have the highest ranking at this point of the season for a Memphis team since the Calipari years. And, you know, this looks like the best Memphis basketball team since John Calipari was the coach. That is, to me, what they should be striving for and what they're on pace to do. 
Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Tim Murray's the host of VSIN Primetime, airing uh, weeknights live 5 to 8 p.m. locally. Also, this is the VSIN College Football and College Basketball Betting Podcast. You can download those wherever you get your podcasts on Twitter on X at 1Tim Murray. Hi, right, Tim. We've Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's some time to digest. I mean, that's the best playoff, right? From the best two, I mean, I know, I was thinking back to last year, the Georgia, the Georgia game was a thriller, yep. and then the... TCU Michigan game got fun, but I felt like these were two, like these games were just, I don't know, they felt like they had a different different level to them. I yeah, I agree. I think the settings helped too. Yeah. The fact that we had the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, two iconic bowls, and you know, for honestly, you know, for the bowls that uh, I won't say they're dying because they're not going to go away. I don't think uh, just because. Uh, it's great TV for you know networks during the. I don't know if it's great season. TV, but it's great inventory. Is there that better better way to put it? Um, but no, the fact we had two settings, great atmospheres, uh, both games coming down to a final play. Um, you know, Georgia and Ohio State was was awesome last year, but nothing tops these two. And, and honestly, it's 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 impressive. The last you know four playoff games have all been entertaining. Oh, I mean. Playoff semifinals because the championship was an right. absolute disaster um, last year. But no, that was it was incredible. And you know, I said it on my show. I'm sure you've talked about it on your show. We talked about it when the news came out. Like I feel bad for Florida State fans. I feel bad for their players, no doubt. Um, but for a television product, we knew we were getting four really good teams that would give us good games, and and we got them. So uh, I I don't know what the ratings are going to be. It, the fact that it was New Year's Day, none of this nonsense where it was the 29th or 31st. I mean, everything came together in the final installment of the four, and I'm sure there will be some think pieces out there. Do we really need 12? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, I think we do. I, I, Tim, I think what our, we're gonna... our boy Fernelli's already pointed out, and I, I'll say this quietly, I'm not a give me the BCS because I'm a give me more football games that matter guy, but I always argued like the BCS more times than not got it right. Yeah. But we'd have Michigan and Washington if we had the BCS. 
Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's it's funny how it works like that. Uh-huh. I mean, doesn't always play out that way. Obviously, TCU, you know, won last year, and you know we've seen. But no, you're right. I mean, I, I'm as they went on. I mean, I'm not going to say I was happy with the outcome because. You, I did have Texas on the money line, and for some reason I thought I was like, oh, my God, am I going to get this miracle win? You you and I texted beforehand. (laughs) When they they caught the wheel route and they let the play stand, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to do it. I thought so, too. I mean, first, from the 15-yard line, you've got – in theory, three cracks, and then yeah, they throw I mean, they a swing had, they pass. They had, like, what, 20-something seconds. My dad texted me. He goes, I know what a good play to run is. Toss sweep. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are we doing here? But it's a good take, Chad. And that's the thing. And, I, I you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it. I have not bet the uh, the championship yet. I'm sure I will figure out an angle to go about it. I'm leaning Michigan right now, but haven't gotten there yet. Uh, my, my thought is, why can't Washington put teams away? I mean, this is their M.O. They couldn't put Oregon away in the Pac-12 championship. Like, they were the better team the entire night. I mean, you know, with with explosive plays down the field, Michael Penix was on, on one last night, man. That dude was so special. Every wide receiver is making every catch. And, and the fact that it came down to it, I know it needed some f- weird circumstances of a player injury and then the, you know, the penalty, but I mean, I don't know what the win probability was at the 15 yard line at first down with 20 seconds to go, but, um, I'm sure the live odds were, were, were shrunk pretty, pretty down, pretty short, uh, with Texas there only down six. So my working theory is, and it's been, it's even going to probably be more so next week. I mean, I guess, Theoretically, have we seen his Johnson? I j- the way I he looked. Think, I, I Johnson he was, was carted off. Yeah, I'm I, like that I, dude ain't playing next. Th- that week. was. I mean, that was. I hope age. he does. Yeah. I hope he does as a you know a human, and you want to see that happen. But like, it it certainly feels like that guy's not playing. My theory is that to move the ball, they have to throw it, and when you get into the kill the clock mode, more times than not, you end up just trying to run it. And then last night, remember they had the weird shot play like the gimmick play that they were trying to run and so you go three and out really quickly and their defense their secondary is not great like I think their front's pretty good but I don't think they're super deep up front and so as I think the game wears on they get you're able to throw it kind of on chunk mode on them because teams teams are able to just say like screw it like the only way we can get back in it I think that's the reason but I think also, like, you and I both love Kalen DeBoer. Mm-hmm. I think he might also have some Andy Reid, uh, Kyle Shanahan tendencies where he's just, like, he's he is amazing at just about everything that you want a head coach to be good at. I just think he might not be great with the clock. Yeah, I mean, once again, the Dylan John. Uh, the, the, Why not just take the knees? Yeah, just take knees, right? You, they I were mean, only going to have, like, 15 seconds. Because the gonna, thing is, it wasn't like they were running like toss sweep. No, they were just like, running it up the middle, right, with, and then going uh, down. against against the strength of Texas' defense, which is their interior line. You know, it's really going to be interesting when you when we get to break this game down in uh, Michigan and Washington because Washington has the best offensive line, at least per the Joe Moore Award, in the country. And we all saw what Michigan's defensive line is capable of. Now, Alabama's offensive line is not as good as Washington's offensive line. But, man, early in that game, holy smokes. Like, it was, it was incredible 
what Michigan was doing to Alabama's offensive line. I mean, they were shredding them, absolutely shredding them to pieces. So I'm of the mind right now, both sides feel like traps. And because I I think you're probably (laughs) struggling with it too, because unlike a lot of people, this is not our first rodeo watching Washington. The thing that scares me about Washington is what do they do when they go up against a team that's going to hold the ball? Because the other thing that was amazing about Washington last night, they had the ball for like 70% of the game. Like Texas, now some of that was Texas is doing where, you know, Texas was turning it over and they had some sloppy three and outs and, and Washington was able to just hold onto the ball. But what does Washington do when Michigan tries to pull them and drag them down into the mud? But then on the flip side, I'm sitting there thinking like, well, what happens to Michigan when, like, yesterday I thought I thought it was coaching malpractice by Harbaugh when you've dominated the first half that much, and it was almost like he said 13 points is enough right now. It's like, no, you have to keep scoring. And I think, like, if you think back to the Oregon game of last year that was in Alton, where Oregon's up like 14 with six minutes left, and you're thinking, man, Oregon's got this wrapped up, but they can score so fast – like, what, what happens to Michigan when, you know, they, they get those NFL receivers vertical and they hit three or four shot plays and bang, bang, it's 14 points like that. I get, that's kind of where my hang-up is. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've kind of tied myself in knots on this one because, you know, I thinking back to the, to, to the playoff, um, just the way that I think, and as your listeners know my mind, I just felt like Washington became this trendy dog that everybody yep. was taking. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll, I talked myself into taking Texas, you know, late last night on, on my show at, you know, the cheapest money line price, which was minus 160. And honestly, as I watched the game, I'm like, if, even if they won, I didn't deserve it, right? Washington no, the I, better I felt team. The whole time I was sitting there with that Texas ticket, it's like the same line of thinking led me to Michigan. and But the Michigan ticket, I was angry because they were gonna, they messed it up. Yeah, like they kept. Yeah, they were. They they, despite whatever I don't you know whatever you look at that score and whether or not Alabama should have won, Michigan was the better football team, but they just continued to make mistakes. And you know, there's one train of thought that says Michigan's not going to make those mistakes again, but maybe that's just who they are on special teams. I mean, it was a, a an absolute disaster on the special teams, and, and they were fortunate. I mean, we almost had a walk-off safety, essentially, if that ball doesn't bounce up. And then give credit to that punt returner because he got lit up. And most dudes would just – that ball would fly up in the air and somehow he you know, held on to it. So, well, it's like, do you get credit for cleaning up your own mess? Like, what, well, just let it I bounce. Think, like, at that yeah. point, like, let it bounce. Well, did it touch you? I don't know. That's the thing. I think he – That's my point. Just run away from it. Right, right. Just pretend like it didn't touch you. So, yeah, I think the biggest thing to me is, like, I do think Washington's wide receivers could could take advantage of the Michigan secondary, but is the Michigan front, because Texas is great in the middle, but their edge rushers didn't really provide anything. And there were a couple moments, like Penix, even though there's some national pundits who said he looks like Michael Vick, uh, he's not a runner. But he's very elusive. Elusive, yes. Like, there was that one play, I don't know if it was in the first or second half, where pressure came, and he just, like, sidestepped to the left, 
hit a Dunze with like a sidearm throw. I'm like, good lord, he's so quick of getting the ball out, and he's he has such a rapport with these wide receivers. That's where it makes me worried. But I do think Michigan's going to be able to run the ball pretty easily. And I'll say this: I thought JJ McCarthy for the most part yesterday looked as good as we've ever seen him. He looked healthy. He looked mobile. They were letting him throw the ball. And they don't have great wide receivers, but, you know, that that catch from Wilson where he went, like, go-go awesome gadget catch. arm. Yeah. I'm like, because the Alabama defender's coming over. He thinks he's got a pick, and somehow he just, like, extends another level. And the and ball got tipped. Yeah. So, I, I mean, look, it, it's I'm excited for it. Um, I did play a little. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.